Brooke, do you find that there's a difference in kind of uh, American and British, like customer care workers, where neither gives a fuck, but they don't give a fuck in different ways? It, yeah, that is what's interesting, right? Is when Sam first moved to America, we would go to like a diner, say, and the waitress would come over and would chat with us for a while and make a goof and then walk away. And at first, Sam would always say, God, everyone is so nice here. But he would say with this look on his face, like, what's wrong with everybody? <laughs> and yep. um, yeah, since moving here, I'm realizing it's not that people aren't nice. No, people are nice. They're much more straightforward. If they're in a in a job that's like customer care, they don't small talk at all. No, not at all. It's this is my job. You're not going to tip me because we all know about tips in this country. Winks at the camera. So yeah. <laughs> I have no reason to do anything other than execute whatever you're about to ask me to do and then move on. Everything else is a waste of time. Yeah. I think the most obvious uh, iteration of this was right after we had first moved. Um, I was telling you guys that we didn't have a car. Right. But it was still pretty nice outside all the time. And I felt like I could I could go on a long walk and it wouldn't I'm probably wouldn't get caught in rain or anything, you know? Yeah. So I took Clark for a walk into the village nearby and found a coffee shop. And I was like, oh, my gosh, there's a coffee shop. I'm going to go in. I'm going to just chill. Clarky and I can, you know, share a muffin or something. And yep. it'll be nice. I got out of the house, right? I get in there. Of course, the second I'm in there, Clark desperately wants out of the pram. Of course. So <laughs> I'm trying to talk to the guy at the front counter. Clark is yelling about who knows what. I say, hold on just a second. <laughs> Whoever's behind me, they can go ahead of me because, you know, she's making a scene. So I pull her out of the pram. The guy that was behind me gets to the front, orders his thing and leaves. I go to order my thing and realize that Clark has run off to a group of old ladies and is just talking at them. <laughs> and I feel like if I was in America, whoever was behind this counter would give me some kind of a sympathetic look. Like, I get it. Yep. You're here yep. with a kid. You know, there's nobody else behind you. It's not a big deal. Just take your time. It's fine. We're a coffee shop, right? Mm -hmm. This dude, the look on his face was, I am not paid enough to stand here and watch you corral your kid. I have other things to do. Could you get your shit together, please? Yep. It was, yeah, it it really unnerved me in a weird way. <laughs> I was just like looking for somebody, some eye contact from someone in this building to like ground me. And it just was nowhere to be found. Oh my God. The, yeah, the, the lack of like, it's not even courtesy because that's not the right word, but... It's it just the lack of attempt at sympathy from service yeah. industry people is palpable. I'd yeah. say in Europe in general, but especially in England, it was really, really noticeable. The bank being especially notable to this for I me. I have yet to go like, into an English bank. Why is the bank so different? Well, I had a bad experience there also because it was like I had to get an account. It was this whole thing where I like, I had to be paid by the university, but the university couldn't write a check 
they could only do direct deposit because of whatever, you know, mm-hmm. some dumb rule. Oh. And so I had to get an account, but this was an account before I moved to England because they started paying me like a little early. And so I had to open a British bank account as a U.S. citizen. This is the kind of stuff that the audience loves, by the way, is these very specific <laughs> stories about immigration hassles. Um, <laughs> oh, good. I have and, tons of those. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was told, like, it's going to be basically impossible for you to get a British bank account as a U.S. citizen, even though you're an employee of this university. What you're going to have to do is go to the bank and just hope you that you're going to say, let me open an account. And you'll try to open an account and they'll say it won't work. And then you just have to repeat that until it works. And well, how can I get it to work earlier? And they're like, you know, you can't, it's just going to work sometime. And that's because of like the person you get will know how to do it that one time. This idea of like, wait, you can't just like, you know, put some extra fuel on the fire to get this process like sped up. (laughs) And everyone is just resigned to like, nope, that's just the bureaucracy. And and then once that happened, like to even get to that point, sorry, not once that before it happened, I needed a form. It literally, it was like something from the movie Brazil, signed in triplicate and stamped by three other bank personnel. And every time I went into the bank, I had to go through this process of go to that window, get the form signed, go to the second window, get the form signed, go to the third window, get the form signed, go to the fourth window, get it stamped, try to open the account, failure, repeat tomorrow. It right. was unimaginable. I like how the implication in both your internet story and your bank story is you're just desperately trying to find the person who is going to give up the slowest. (laughs) Yes. Like, are you, are you going to be unlucky enough that you just keep winding up at the end of this process, talking to a person who goes, this is ridiculous and I don't want to deal with it. Or are they going to be the person that that really tries to just slug it out and <laughs> and you just never know and finish the dang thing? You just never yeah. know. Yeah. I'm curious what the other considering both of you are Americans who moved to the UK, mm-hmm. uh, Brian, at least for a bit. And then you living there now. What if uh, aside from uh, <laughs> customer service people just being like, nope, uh, <laughs> what, are, what were some of the other like big changes for the both of you? I was actually talking with someone the other day about how I didn't think that this would be the thing that made me homesick the most. But every time I go to the grocery store and everything is just different, (laughs) it's not that it's different food. It's weird little things like the red curry paste that I'm going to buy here is going to taste different from the red curry paste that I used to buy. Or the, the boxes are just the brands are totally different. And there's a weird, I think because food is such a a comfort thing for a lot of people, probably Mm -hmm. for me, going to the grocery store was always really relaxing. And now when I go to the grocery store, sometimes I'm staring right at what I need and it takes me a second to realize (laughs) that that's what I'm looking for, you know? And more often than any other time, when I go to the grocery store is when I'm like, I just wish that it, I just wish that this looked like a safe way. Right? Yeah. I just wish this looked like a place that I would go into in Oregon or in Los Angeles. Were either of you ever big uh, like Walmart people? I'm always curious what people's like regional grocery store of choice was. Oh, growing up, we didn't really have many Walmarts in Jersey. So 
like our regional Jersey things were Acme, Grand Union, and Pathmark. I've never heard wow, of any I've of those. I've never heard of any of those. Yeah, I'm sorry yeah. that I'm not alone. Yeah. I'm not even sure any of those exist anymore, to be honest. Hmm. I grew up in Oregon. So our like big department store that always had a grocery store was Fred Meyer. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fred Meyer was always great. The town that I grew up in had like almost a thousand people. So our grocery stores were not chains. They were just right. weird little small town yeah. grocery stores. So it was mostly the Fred Meyer. Yeah, that was like the big chain we would go to and be like, oh, we could get everything for spaghetti and also maybe a cute top <laughs> in the same place. That's wild. Layton, were you a like a, a food lion, Piggly Wiggly type region or uh, what? No, I mean, my my Nana was Piggly Wiggly and she was like an hour outside of Wilmington in Regalwood, which was like a paper processing town. So, you know, that paper mill smell. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's just like that that really taints my memory of Piggly Wiggly. But for me, it was like we had a Walmart across the street from like the neighborhood, you know, across a major, major road. So that was pretty much the go to because it's like, oh, it's fucking Walmart. They have everything. But the more regional ones were like Harris Teeter. I've never, um, no, we have, never heard of it. Yeah. We eventually got a Publix, which I do really mm-hmm. like Publix because my dad's fam- family is from Florida and like, you know, I, I was familiar with it. They do a good Cuban sandwich. I miss a Publix Cuban sandwich. Oh, nice. Just like sometimes grocery stores have that like specific item that they make there that's really good. Yep. That's so true. The The grocery store in my hometown growing up had incredible potato salad. And to this day, I have never had a potato salad that tasted quite like that. And I don't know how to recreate it. Yeah, it's just some grocery store magic. A potato salad is a fine art. You it know? is. Like the, the line between really good and really bad is kind of like razor thin. And it's very much <laughs> personal preference too, right? Like there's so many sure. different styles and and you, you can make these tiny changes and just make it totally unacceptable to one person, but another person's <laughs> favorite thing with like onion powder or something. Still to this day, the best mini chain of grocery stores that I've ever been to is in Jersey and maybe they're maybe, you know, nearby to, I don't know, like fucking Pennsylvania or something is Wegmans. Anyone who's from this part of the world, like they're a little bit upscale, but not fancy, but just had like the best prepared food sections I've ever seen in any grocery store. That's the one that I, I really meant. I didn't go to them growing up, but when we lived back in Jersey, like right after Rachel and I got married and like, it was like 2007, we would go to Wegmans all the time. It was like a half hour trip, but it was so worth it. I mean, I guess the equivalent of that is if you want to spend $50 on a sandwich, you hit that Whole Foods, which... <laughs> Ugh. Whole Foods sandwiches suck. They're fucking terrible. They're really bad. They're all bad. Like, you know, you go and get your nice cheese or a baguette or literally anything else that's not a sandwich, and it's generally pretty good. We we live very close to one, and so occasionally I will go get a sandwich, and it's always awful. They have, as many people know, I'm a mayonnaise connoisseur, and Whole Foods brand mayo is just bad. It's just terrible. I don't know why it's so bad. It's just awful. I mean, anytime you get a sandwich from that kind of place, it's like the bread is probably slightly past where it needs to be. It's either going to be very dry or very wet. And a wet sandwich has no place in my <laughs> no place in my my home heart or stomach. It's true. It wasn't that he was giving me the talk, but more like he was giving the universe the talk. If my dad and I got a sandwich from somewhere and one slice of the bread was even remotely soggy. Oh, it was surely gross. 
surely they know which things should be up against the bread and which things shouldn't. You never put tomato up against the bread. It will make the bread soggy. You create a barrier with the lettuce. Surely they know this. (laughs) (laughs) Alternately with the slice of cheese. Yeah. Cheese dependent. Oh, uh, this is actually something where I feel like the UK kicks uh, America's ass, which is the pre-prepared sandwiches. Yes, they are really into them. Oh my God. And they're good. They are. Really? What kind of sandwich are we talking? Uh, Like everything. And they come in these little kind of cardboard triangular wedges and... You can just, you, you you know, rip it off and you have the sandwich. You can find it. It's like a Pret is the big change, Pret-a-Manger, the big chain. But there's little chains. Eat, eat is a good one. But just any grocery store, you know, Sainsbury's, Waitrose, Budgeons, whatever. When we're at the airport, if you even go into like a Boots, which is not yes. not a food place, but they not have their, their meal deals, right? So it's like they have just maybe 30 different sandwiches. Some are entirely veggie-based. Some are egg-based. Some are meat-based, right? Like, and they're all color-coded. Yep. Yeah, I did, I did a quick Google. This seems great. I'm yeah. a big proponent of just food that you can grab and go. I love food. Food is often an inconvenience. I just want <laughs> a convenient vehicle for it to get into my body. I do not appreciate, though, that when you Google this, almost all of the first stories are like, Bunch of people fucking died from eating these sandwiches. No, don't say that. Oh, my <laughs> yeah, God. please. We, we lived on yeah. these things all the time. Like Brooke was saying, even the Boots, which is basically a pharmacy, will have decent prepared sandwiches. They've got the sandwiches. Yeah. Yeah. I want to know what the science behind this is. Why do sandwiches taste better when you cut them on the diagonal like that? <laughs> like they always do. I don't think science can answer that question. Maybe maybe the metaphysical realm can answer that question. Maybe it's because you have so much, like there's a spot for each hand, you know? This is true. There's also the, the bite vantage points because you get the two pointy ends, yeah. which are a great bite. You get a little bit of the crust, but not too much. You get the nice middle bit. And then you have like the mostly crust core. I don't know. It's, it feels like a good distribution of different biting experiences. I think so too. I think that's what it is. I have to say, and the container, like the triangular container for these sandwiches is great. It's much better Mm. than if it were like a rectangle. It's cute. It's like throw it in your bag. It's not going to get everywhere. It's not going to get all squished. These look good. Mm. Fuck, I want a sandwich. (laughs) If I was on like taking a long train ride, you know, going to give a talk somewhere or something, you can get these like pre-made like little gin and tonic cans. And so you go get your sandwich and you go get your little, you know, it's like a, like a (gasps) Red Bull size can of, you know, a gin and tonic or whatever fucking drink you want and get on your train and go eat your sandwich and drink your drink. They do that with so much stuff. When I realized that Buck's Fizz is just a pre-made mimosa in a huge two liter bottle, I was like, what the hell? England (laughs) England has it all figured out. I mean, obviously this this goes both ways, but the, the more casual attitude towards alcohol was so nice just to not have it be like this huge fucking thing every time you want to get a drink. I mean, obviously, there are a lot of people with alcohol problems that, you know, suffer from this. Absolutely. Like you said, it's there are positives and negatives to that. It was some article. It was like a New York Times correspondent, an American woman who was stationed in London for it was like 10 years or 20 years or something, a long time, and then wrote this thing about like, here's what I noticed living there. And it was like completely dead on. One of the things I remember her talking about was like people drinking an amount 
at a, like a regular mealtime that in the U.S. would be considered the sign of a very serious problem. But right. in the U.K., you know, like two people splitting a bottle of wine at dinner every night. Maybe that's not a huge serious problem, but that's a lot of alcohol to drink. That, that gives me a secondhand headache. Yeah. <laughs> And also, like, whoever needs to wear lipstick when you can just drink red wine and then wake up feeling like you are a monster? <laughs> <laughs> like, nothing is worse than when you go to a party and you're like, I feel classy. I'm drinking red wine. And then you're, like, drunk and you go to the bathroom and look up and it's like, oh, I look like I've lost oh, my mind. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I've got a little Joker smile going. This sucks. <laughs> We should probably introduce ourselves. We always roll into this. This seems like as good a time as any. Sure. This is Layton, everybody from Layton Night. Hi, that's me. The other one's Brian from Layton Night. What's up? And mystery guest, would you care to introduce yourself? Hi, everybody. I'm Dodger. You might have heard a mysterious name, Brooke, on here. <laughs> I'm a streamer. I'm partial owner of a coffee company. And I talk about my kid a lot now. <laughs> so that's a heel turn that happened in my life. Yeah, you got a great kid. She is great. <laughs> Calling that a heel turn? <laughs> well, yeah, because, you know, before I used to be able to be like, come follow me on Twitter. There's going to be lots of great anime goofs. Uh, it's going to be <laughs> wild. And now I'm like, guys, today Clark told me that I was her best friend and I cried. <laughs> so it is. Yeah, I would say my social media has a very different vibe now. <laughs> oh, believe me, I went through that exact thing. Like, my social media is now like 99% shit Audrey says. It's so and cute. <laughs> I love the Audrey tweets so much. She had one yesterday. I haven't tweeted this yet, but I think I'm going to, where we're, we were driving in the car to get something. And out of nowhere, she goes, I like saltines. They're a little salty and a little teeny. Love it. Every comedian wishes they were that good, just like <laughs> off the cuff. Amazing. Feels like a fucking Mitch Hedberg joke. It totally. does. As you know, Brooke, like most of what, and you've got a, you know, a kid who's close to four years younger than mine. Right. 99% of what they say is like just babble. And right. so when, when you put out these, these quotes, like, yeah, you know, that's, that's their highlight reel. A lot of it is just like, what the fuck are you even talking about? I legitimately don't understand anything you just said. <laughs> Complete non sequitur. Yeah. I do feel kind of like a superhero, though, when I'm on the phone, say, with my mom or something. We've been having lots of video calls with the family recently. And for some reason, it just makes me laugh how often Clark will be saying something and I live with her, so I know absolutely everything she's saying. But the person on the phone call is like, I don't know what's going on over Yeah, there. at all. <laughs> you basically learn a totally new language. And when you listen to someone else's young kid, you're like, I don't know what's going on here. What is that kid yeah. even talking about? You would think that it would translate well. It doesn't. It doesn't. And all the, the thing that's really crazy to me, too, is now... When I look back at old videos of Audrey, when she was about Clark's age, so just mm. around two, stuff that I definitely didn't understand at the time, I can now watch the video for and be like, oh, that's what she was trying to say. And it's like kind of clearer in retrospect. Right. Mm -hmm. I only noticed this like a few months ago watching old videos. And I was like, oh, my God, she's like talking about this towel that's next to her. And I thought she was just babbling when I took this video. <laughs> that's so cute, though. Yeah, there's something really interesting about the way that parents like speech patterns inform 
the child's speech patterns, which I imagine is probably why Audrey's so fucking funny. Yeah, yeah right? I think it also, because Rachel is Minnesotan, mm. Audrey gets some of the cute Minnesota things. So Aww. directly from Rachel, like for a while, whenever she dropped something, she would say, oopsie doodles. <laughs> oh, stop it. That's so cute. It was so cute. Uh, and so, but Rachel has a lot of like Midwesternisms, like darn, she says a lot. Oh, darn. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And Audrey has absorbed like all of those. And it's, it's very, very cute. I'm very lucky because I don't have a very clean vocabulary. <laughs> None of us do. <laughs> it's very rare for her to repeat the stuff that I don't necessarily want her to be repeating. Most of the time, she's just saying stuff like, oh, gosh. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's so cute. Stop it. Audrey 100% dropped a few F-bombs right around three or four. That was my next question. I was about to ask if Audrey had ever said fuck because I get oh. strong. This child has said fuck before. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, like it actually hasn't happened for probably like a year. Oh, you're 100% right. Like sometimes she just said it, you know, just kind of nonsense rhyming. But she realized it provoked a reaction. So then she started saying it all the time and we had to dial that <laughs> back. Right. They tell you to ignore it, but it's so hard to ignore it. It's so hard to ignore it, especially if you're out in public. So the one that I remember was we were out. This is probably right. This is when she, when she was four, maybe young four, just when she turned four. We were out in like a, a record store and, you know, she was really into rhyming then. And... Mm. I was like, was, sorry, I wasn't even saying this. She's just walking around. She's like, car, car rhymes with far. And we were like, uh-huh. Yep, correct. Uh, and then <laughs> Check in the middle, you can see where this is going. In the middle of the store, she's like, truck. And then Rachel and I like slow motion run towards her. <laughs> but before we can stop her, she's like, truck rhymes with fuck. And <laughs> is just thrilled with the reaction that she got when oh Rachel and I both God. like crouched down on the floor next to her, like amongst the LPs. And we were like, okay, honey, no, in, in public, we have to be careful. We're not going to say that word. That word is an angry word that sometimes makes people upset. And, you know, old record store guy behind the counter is like cracking up this whole time. Of course, <laughs> yeah. It was pretty great. I know so many people whose first fuck was on accident, like especially with the rhyming kind of deal. Yeah. Mine was, um, I was standing in line. In hindsight, this is actually kind of a dark story on the kid's part, but like oh, no. we were uh, standing in line and I think I was doing, uh, I don't know, one of the kids was talking about like, oh, there's a word that is like hockey puck, but it's a bad one and you can't say it. And I thought they were lying to me. And so I started guessing what it was and I finally landed on fuck. And they were like, that's the one you can't say that. And I was like, that's come on, it's not a real word. And then one of the girls girls was like, no, it's real. My dad says it all the time. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. Yeah. I hope that kid's okay. Yeah. But as I think as we are all living proof, you can say fuck all the time and still be a wonderful person. Right? We're fucking delightful people. Yeah. Jory probably drops more fucks than anybody I know. <laughs> and it's always in just like the context of like, oh, yeah, that was a real fucking treat. <laughs> <laughs> just like positive fucks. Very good. Positive, positive fucks. fucks. Absolutely. Man, I wish we could name the episode that. I know. I was thinking the same thing. There, I feel like all of the best potential episode titles are things that are irredeemably vulgar. Could yeah. you asterisk it? Oh, that feels like the coward's way out, you know? <laughs> It feels like those books where it's like, 
here's how to fucking adult. And then there's like an asterisk instead of a unit. It's like, you coward. You're going to name your book that, but you, you're not going to go whole hog. I know that you probably legally cannot, but this you know, is the coward's The way one out. that gets me now is when people put like the the swear asterisks and ass, like pretending that ass is a bad word, like, you know, a dollar sign, dollar sign. <laughs> right. that, that feels like very 12 year old on a forum, but also it's like when you watch TV and they censor asshole, they don't censor ass, but they always censor whole. Like, why is that the thing? I, I remember hearing a WFMU DJ talk about this, like, and I can't remember. It's like, if you talk about the body part, it's not allowed like you can't talk about your asshole, but if you call someone an asshole, that's okay. I would think it would be the opposite. <laughs> or I, it might be the opposite. I really don't remember because I agree with you. It sounds like it should be the opposite, but it's not just the word. It's like specifically how you use it. Intention. That matters. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like with PG-13 movies, you get one non-sexual fuck. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I just, I love that designation. It has to be non-sexual. So we launched a Patreon last week, which was very exciting. Um, And everybody who's listening, thank you so much for supporting it. It, I've just been like so overwhelmed with the response to it. And y'all are super duper sweet. It's been it's been awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And the five dollar tier, you get access to the I truly am not saying this is an ad. It's me hyping up how cool. No, you should say it as an ad. For the low, low price of $5, you can join our our fans-only Patreon-exclusive Discord in which we have a bunch of channels for sharing what's poppin' and sharing peaches and lemons. But we have a special one that's specifically for asking us questions. And so we put out a call for questions today, and I guess we could answer some of these because they are actually really good, which kudos Discord members for asking good shit. I have to say the Discord in general, I don't use Discord a lot. Uh, I assume the both of you do use it regularly. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm a card-carrying gamer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a known gamer. I do use Discord. It's funny that you say that because I didn't start using it until Skype started being... Sucking. <laughs> yeah, just a pain in my asshole. Not to, yep. not to get us bleeped <laughs> or anything. It 100% even still has the connotation of like, this is a serious app for gamers. But... Somebody was talking in my chat the other day about how they convinced their entire family to start a Discord server, like for the family to keep in touch. (laughs) And they said that it got so popular in the family that even like their great grandfather has joined the Discord. And they all use it to just like trade pictures and just chat and keep up with each other. And I was like, that is so delightful because I don't I think of discord as being a place for that but of course it's for whatever you want it to be you know if it serves the purpose yeah. then it works I avoided it intentionally for a really long time Me because too. I'm one of those people who like if I'm on a group text I really really hate it it's like I want to talk <laughs> to my friends but it's overwhelming if you leave for two hours and you come back and it's like here's 70 things that you oh, missed yes. by the way yeah. I have to turn the notifications off for Discord yeah. and like mute all of the channels. But like there are a couple of really cool servers that I'm a part of. And it's interesting because I feel like I'm constantly seeking that feeling of old internet where it's like, we're bonding over a thing. This sucks less. I am interested in what you have to say and we're being respectful. And like, you know, it's great. I'm on one where we have a uh, channel that's just for keyboard chat that I demanded be made in this server. And I've converted so many people to the keyboard lifestyle. Like, 
I'm not saying that I would be a great cult leader, but I would be a great cult leader. <laughs> like, conversion rate through the roof. I think you'd be great, Leighton. Actually, I, thank you. I believe in you. I think you are great, Leighton. Wow, thank you. That's so, that's so sweet. If anybody wants to join my cult, pay, um, <laughs> join the, the $50 tier on Patreon and we'll talk. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll add the additional tier. That's fifty dollars. Uh, what's that office quote from Creed that it's like, "Oh, cults are great. You have more fun as a follower, but you make more money as a leader." <laughs> <laughs> what I was going to say about our, our our Discord is it, Layton? You put a lot of effort into starting it and recruiting the mods and everything. And what? All right. You, also, shout out to the mods. Yeah. Well, what I, it was you and the mods have like turned it into this really wonderful little community. It seems very positive and supportive and drama free it's 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 awesome i i really really like it it's it's literally just like supporting each other sharing pictures of your creatures we have a, a special little deal that's for just animal crossing like furniture trading and sharing screenshots and stuff <laughs> amazing that's yeah. so cute somebody asked on the other poppin channel which is everything that's not music movies or books for what's poppin somebody was like does anybody have uh, scary youtube recommendations and i was just like oh yeah. <laughs> i've got you and then just dropped like all my shit i love it that's awesome. My mom does this really funny, like kind of wholesome thing where every time I move into a new place and especially moving into this place because it's in a totally different country, she wants as many pictures as possible or wants to do like a full walkthrough on video call, not <laughs> even necessarily to like see it and be like, wow, that's so great. So that when I'm texting with her later, she can imagine what is going on. Like I can say, oh, Clark is playing, you know, Clark is watching this in the living room and she knows what the living room looks like and can like imagine it. That's, That's so, so cute. sweet. It's very adorable. Yeah. My mom has always been very supportive of like the YouTube Twitch thing. She like watches my streams when she can or at least has them on in the background. And does that make you nervous? Sometimes, sometimes I'll start telling a story and then I'll stop myself and go, by the way, if you're here, mommy, I love you. Like, just if it's, <laughs> if it's a story where I'm like, my mom does the weirdest shit, like, here, like right now, mommy, if you're listening to this podcast, I love you so much. And I think it's very cute that you do this. Oh, but yeah, I <laughs> sometimes I'll tell a story and I feel like I need to take a second to go, by the way, this is good natured teasing. Yeah, yeah. totally. I've talked shit on my grandma on this podcast, who's great and who I love, but also does send the most passive aggressive letters about how <laughs> I, my love of horror means I'm going to hell, et cetera. Oh, um, gosh. It's like, well, dear God, ho hope my grandmother doesn't listen to this. But honestly, if she does, that's the least of my problems in regards to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the YouTube thing reminded me, Brooke, do you remember meeting with me and Danny in Santa Monica like of course years ago? Yeah. Yeah, when we when we like met in for real's life for the very first time. Yeah. Yes, and that was like, I mean, that was before Danny was on Grumps or anything like that. It was forever ago. It had to be I want to say 2012 probably. Jesus. Ish. The dinosaur laser fight video had blown up a bit. And I don't remember how we got in touch with each other. No, me neither. I think da it was through Dan because it definitely wasn't through me because I remember he he and you set up the like the time. <laughs> he was like, hey, you're going to come get coffee with th this girl. 
Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> and I was like, hello, I'm the girl. I remember it was so nice of you to meet with us because we were like trying to figure out the YouTube thing and like having, you know, limited success with it. The, the dinosaur laser fight was doing well and, you know, Aaron had worked on that and everything. But it was just like that, you know, hey, like, let's let's try to learn whatever we can from you about how to make a, a decent YouTube thing happen. I just remember it was such a nice, chill, fun meeting. And I, I, I still really appreciate you taking the time to do it all these years later. I think you were one of the, at least for me, one of the first like YouTube people that I met in person. Yeah, I remember having very positive feelings about just like hanging out with the two of you and just just chatting, you know? Yeah, totally. They're, they're very good chatters. <laughs> what was the space? It was that it was like a coffee shop art gallery on Pico in Santa Monica, right? It was like right over there. You know, LA is split up into this is where rich people live. This is where artistic <laughs> people live. Yes. Yeah. It was one of the more like artsy areas. I think it was near that bowling alley that's like right there. Wow. Bowling alleys. Do you think those are going to exist? <laughs> continue to exist. Oh, yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Shove too. your fingers in these dirty holes. <laughs> put these yeah. weird shoes on. There's some regional things like this. Have you ever done candle pin bowling? Do you know what I'm talking what? about? No. Oh, what now? What is that? So this is a New England thing where the pins are essentially so rather than what you think of as a bowling pin, you know the like uh yeah. you know, yeah, bowling pin. The quintessential. The quintessential bowling pin. Uh the pins are like these just brown cylinders. So they're not, you know, they don't taper off at one end. They're just kind of cylinders. And the ball is it's like a bocce ball. It doesn't have mm. holes. It's like a, a shot put sized thing. And it's I think wooden usually. And it's I think almost exclusively Massachusetts, New England. And I've never seen it anywhere else. And so what you're doing is you're hurling. I mean, you can really throw the fuck out of these things because they weigh like <laughs> nothing. It's like, you know, three pounds or something. It's really, really light. And so you can just wing this tiny little wooden ball at these very tiny. They're much smaller than normal bowling pins. And they're called candle pins. So it's candle pin bowling. There was an alley uh, that we I need a visual to. on this. Hold I was going to say, I need to Google this. <laughs> They look so stupid. <laughs> it's pretty stupid. I'm not going to lie. It's definitely stupid. They look like a bunch of little pens or lipsticks. Wait, apparently this is a thing in England as well. Mm. That's right. I remember this now, because, but I think it has a different name maybe there. Can you imagine the ending of There Will Be Blood, but with these things? <laughs> so in this candlepin bowling alley in Somerville, Massachusetts, outside Davis, Davis Square, there was... there. On the wall, they have pages from Candlepin Bowling Monthly magazine. And it's from like the 70s or 80s or something. And it's about, you know, the professional Candlepin Bowling Association, which I don't even know, you know, probably 12 people are a part of. I, I probably am, you know, dismissing a, a large and active regional organization. But Brian, I cannot wait for the angry emails from oh, the Candlepin Bowling oh. people because you know they have the aim. They can fuck you up. <laughs> oh, they, we, yeah, they can absolutely bad kill group you. of people to get angry at you. <laughs> well, luckily they're nowhere near Los Angeles, so <laughs> suck it. But they're they're tiny, right? Don't don't the pins look stupid and the balls look stupid? They do look the stupid. Whole thing is kind of stupid. Yeah, it's really fun yeah, though. It's like knock over some cigarettes. 
Brian, bad news for you not getting brained with a little ball. Yeah. There are a lot of candle pin bowling lanes in Los Angeles, California. What? There's no. 18 of them. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Oh, Brian, you got to watch yourself, man. I'm fucked now. <laughs> is there an alley near you in England? Four miles away, apparently, is the closest wow. place to be able to go candle pin bowling to me. But it's also a great place to enjoy some drinks. 3.1 <laughs> out of five stars. <laughs> some of the best drinks I've ever had have been in bowling alleys with bar staff that does not know how to pour. And so we used to, when I was in my very, very bad band in San Diego for a couple of years, this is not Agave. Uh, this is a different band. Like we would routinely meet to go practice and then just say, we don't feel like it and go to the bowling alley to drink. You'd order a whiskey and they'd always pour like something that was like a triple for five bucks because they didn't know how to pour. <laughs> and so you could just go get you know, like uh, what, what would probably cost 60 bucks in a normal bar for the equivalent of 10 or something is the best. Was it Vernon's birthday where we went to that bar near us oh, uh, yes. where we had all gotten like gin and tonics? And we're like, can you try this? This is the worst gin and tonic I've ever <laughs> it was had. so bad. <laughs> yes. It was so nasty. I think I also got, what did I get? I got like a um, a, a Moscow mule or something. I was like, this fucking sucks. It's a great bar, but that, the mixed drinks were terrible. Yeah, on Halloween, I went there and we were going to see a Misfits cover band, but they weren't playing until midnight and I wasn't sticking around for that. What was the name of the band? I love cover band names. <laughs> oh, I wish I could remember. I think they weren't like exclusively a Misfits cover band. They were just doing it because it was Halloween and who doesn't want to hear like crying on a Saturday night sure. um, on Halloween. But like the the band that was up before them, like nobody was around watching except for two of their girlfriends. And one of the girlfriends was dressed as Dwight from The Office. Amazing. <laughs> like we were apparently the first people all day who had been like, ah, oh, it's Dwight. Wow. I think there was also a woman dressed as Gerard Way. And I was afraid to ask her if she was Gerard Way because I didn't want to offend her by. He <laughs> was like, no, this is how I look always. <laughs> yeah. It's a great look. It is. It's a classic look. Yeah. Seriously, let's bring it back. Red suspenders, black shirt, let's go. <laughs> Brian, if you were to come up with a good name for a Misfits cover band, what would it be? Oh, uh, fuck. Here's the best I got right out of the tank. Surfits. That's pretty good. I mean, Crying on a Saturday Night is a pretty good yeah. band name. This, this sucks because I'm a really big Misfits fan and I can't come up with something. <laughs> It's because you don't want to dishonor them. Let, well, let's hear it. <laughs> yeah, there, listen, there's no dishonor I can do to Glenn Danzig more than he has already done to himself. <laughs> <laughs> Have y'all heard about the horror movie that he made that when they screened it, everybody was laughing and afterwards he was like, yeah, uh, you, you guys laughed at some parts that I wouldn't have, but that's cool. <laughs> oh, no. I really want to watch it. Wait, is it Veronica? I, I keep getting it confused with Fred Durst's uh, The Fanatic starring John Travolta, which, woof. Yeah, it's Veronica. Okay, I really need That's to watch it. That's the name it. of his movie? Yeah. Oh, 1.9 on IMDb. Yes. Wow. People have called it the horror equivalent of The Room. <laughs> this is the perfect time to watch it. Yeah, seriously. I, I have had such a hard time. Like, I thought, like, oh, boy, this is going to be the time for me to watch some, like, cinema. I renewed my, my Criterion channel thing, and I'm going to watch some good shit. And I just, like, I don't have the attention span for movies right now. I can't hack it. I generally don't have a good attention span for movies. I like just putting on a show that I don't really have to pay that much attention to while like also yeah. doing a jigsaw puzzle or something. 
Yeah, because I have to, I can't just like sit still and not do anything. I started having to turn yeah. off my phone if I'm watching a movie because otherwise I will reach for it every five yes. seconds and that sucks. But like I always have to, literally as we've been sitting here, I have a little like clear mechanical switch that I've just been clicking under the table. <laughs> I have a fidget spinner. Like I can't, I, hopefully, Jarek, I'm sorry if you can hear that in the background. I probably can't because they're, because clear switches are quiet. It's like a mix between a brown and a red. I'm going to do it right up next to the mic. Uh, I'm going to say my Misfits cover band is going to be called Last Caress. I like it. One last caress. Devil Doll is a strong contender, too. So living in Echo Park, there are... It's very interesting what songs people end up blasting on a Saturday night. Because clearly people are doing some fucking crying. Uh, I've heard (laughs) Love Song (laughs) by The Cure, Crying on a Saturday Night by The Misfits, um, Tear You Apart by She Wants Revenge. Like, that's such a song to blast. Like, of course, love it. Just like aggressively horny song. Right. Oh, Teenagers from Mars is a good band name too. Yeah, that is pretty good. I do like that. I I go through phases where I listen to like a lot of punk and like rockabilly stuff, which Misfits doesn't quite fit in there, but they always end up in my rotation with like Dead Kennedys and Ramones and uh, the Cramps who are so fucking good. A lot of that stuff is is outside my pop culture base. Like I definitely a little bit of Dead Kennedys. You can't avoid a little bit of the Ramones, at least. But I never went through a punk phase. My sister was, like, huge into all that stuff. Interesting. It's very, like, happy music for me. Like, it's not I'm pissed and mad. It's just, like, we're we're just straight vibing. I'm having a great time. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck the establishment. Give me convenience or give me death. Let's go. (laughs) I don't think that there's any genre of music that when it comes on, I'm like, I distaste this. I do not like this. I can get down with just about anything. The bad side of that coin is that I know what kind of sounds I enjoy, but I cannot for the life of me ever remember who made what song. Oh, really? It's just like you like a song. Yeah. I I don't trust people who are like, oh, I don't really listen to music. What do you do? (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember that Simpsons quote? where someone's talking to Marge about music, and she goes, music to me is none of my business. <laughs> that has yeah. always stuck with me as like, it's like, who doesn't listen to music? There are definitely people out there. I have friends who just like, yeah. don't listen to sure. music, but I cannot relate to that. Do you guys like to just have music on in the background, like all the time? Yes. From the moment I wake up, yeah. Pretty much. Yep. I yell at my A-L-E-X-A to put shit on. Well, now, especially now as a as a parent, I don't know, Brooke, how you feel about this, but like we like ever since I had a kid, I was like, well, we just need to have music on because I want this kid to learn about good music and sure <laughs> and have like strong nostalgia with good music. Yeah. And also just get like rhythm and kind of basic musical intuition in her bones as early as possible. So from when Audrey was like a little, little baby, you know, from the moment she was newborn, this music is on all the time. We try to do, you know, like consciously try to do a lot of different genres and styles and uh, and things like that. Now she's, of course, at an age where she just, she has very definite tastes about what she wants to listen to. She can request things, yeah. And those tastes are frozen and frozen too. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah. And, and by request things, what you mean is demand. And <laughs> right. then- Putting on Into the Unknown right now is the best because then we have a tiny person walking around our house scream singing it the whole time, (laughs) just like belting off in her own world. It's awesome. 
Yeah. That's beautiful. I think that's that's one of the things that has been really, really cool with Clark is she just sings all the time. So yep. because of that, we've listened to her gradually figure out how to actually sing the song. Like, I'm trying to think of how to say this. They start off kind of monotone singing, right? Yeah. Like they don't, yeah, yeah. they can't, they can't like find notes. And mm-hmm. now there are a couple of songs that she can sing and she hits the notes perfectly. Yeah. And it's yeah, yeah. wild mm-hmm. to like have her sing the same song, like Twinkle Twinkle, right? She's been singing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star for a year now. And it started off as just a weird monotone baby garble. And now mm-hmm. she can actually sing it and say the words and how wild that is. And now like I have a ukulele and she wants to mess with the ukulele all the time. And she just like has a weird cat shaped keyboard that she <laughs> wants to play with. Uh-huh. Oh, I think I know the keyboard you're talking about. Yeah, I, I've been meaning to buy one of those so I can open it up and fuck with it and make it make that right noises. to make memes. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a really good meme machine, also good for toddlers. So, you know, whatever your poison. I remember Audrey, when she was little, we were working on the first cover album for NSP. And so I'd sing her take on me all the time. Oh, and I remember the first time she hit the in a day or two, which no, the note I just botched, but two, that one up there, what, you know, much higher. And she just like nailed it. And Rachel and I were like, ah, she got the note. It was so exciting. <laughs> yeah, it was really cute. Kids love that song. I really loved that song as a kid. Yeah, it's a great song. I did song. too. I recreated the music video for I Ran with Polly Pockets. <gasps> that like I took sandwich bags <laughs> and oh sharpened them God. black. So it was like the little gar- uh, the the outfits. And um, it's very funny because I was taking like fishing wire and like lifting them up. And then I dropped them. So it just like destroys the entire quote unquote set that I had built. Should we look at some of these questions? I was going to say, are we supposed to give advice? Is that a thing? Uh, we're we're definitely not giving advice today. We we started running out of advice topics to go for. And also, like, it's the least... I, I Listeners, let us know if you like the advice. It's the least interesting part of the show for me. And me also too. makes me stressed out because I don't want anybody to fuck up a situation because we were like, um, maybe sure. don't do that. Or maybe yeah. do do that. It's too much of a responsibility. <laughs> but yeah, let's answer one. Uh, Brian, do you want to pick? If you're thinking about signing up for the Patreon, this is definitely one of the perks. Sometimes we go to the Discord first. So this is from Kiwi of Lerve, I believe, is the pronunciation of this person. Cute, nice. The question is, do you have any weird collections? Which I think is a cool, interesting question that we all might just say no to and move on. But in case one of you has something interesting to say. You know my answer isn't no. Well, I know your answer isn't no, but... As listeners of this podcast know, because I literally will not shut up about them, I collect mechanical keyboards. That one's important. I won't talk anymore about that. Really? Sick to... Yes. I really love mechanical keyboards. I love keycap sets. I love trying out different switches. I love trying different sizes. I love getting little novelty keycaps. Like, it's just fun. You use, you know, you wear shoes every day. You sleep on your mattress every night. If you do any sort of work on a computer, you're probably touching your your keyboard for eight hours a day. So why don't you make it a fun little experience for yourself? That's so true. I have a lot of friends who either make keycaps or work on like homemade mechanical keyboards. And I keep thinking to myself, I should buy one of those sometime. I just I just keep using, you know, like razor ones or 
whatever. Yeah, I mean, the razor ones are great. I mean, if you ever want recommendations on stuff to check out, DM me because that will hook you up. Okay. And like building them is so much fun, whether you have a hot swap or you're doing the soldering yourself. I soldered my own macro pad that I've yet to program. Like, it's just a good time. I love soldering shit. Hey, do you like horror movies? Are you stuck at home right now just waiting to get funny games or perhaps The Strangers? Well, have we got the thing for you. In honor of our upcoming horror history series, Deep Cuts, hosted by yours truly, We've partnered with Shudder to bring y'all a special offer. Late night listeners, that means you, can get an extended 14-day free trial for Shudder and access to their full library of amazing horror movies. All you have to do is go to Shudder.com slash sign up, that's S-H-U-D-D-E-R, and enter promo code DEEPCUTS. For people who don't listen to Late Night and are thus not cool, they only get seven days. Late night listeners get 14. That's two weeks of horror content. And if that's not a peach, I don't know what is. So now that you have no excuse, I am simply demanding that you watch some great horror movies, such as Audition, Ginger Snaps, In the Mouth of Madness, Tetsuo the Iron Man, The Taking of Deborah Logan, The Love Witch, Knife and Heart, Revenge, literally all of the Friday the 13th movies, Dogtooth, Neroi the Curse, The Exorcist 3, a Tale of Two Sisters, and so many more that I couldn't possibly list them all, but they're very good. So scoot on over there with promo code DEEPCUTS, and let's get spooky. Or else. My other collections that I guess I haven't talked about, I collect rare slash horror VHS tapes, and I'm very proud of my collection, and I have a bunch that like I'll buy, quote-unquote, sold-as-blank cassettes on eBay. It's usually just like somebody made a block, like six hours of recording, you know, TLC in 97. And they sell it like, you know, oh, you'll overwrite it if you're filming your own stuff. But uh, I just like to watch those like the I'll throw them on in the background. And it's just like a very nostalgic kind of um, it's nice. Like I have a tape that I've been watching uh, while I draw in the background where it just has like hours of, you know, like, oh, alien abduction, Bigfoot sighting kind of shows. Uh And I love that. And then I guess the other thing I collect is children's toys so I can circuit bend them and make them make bad noises, as previously mentioned. (laughs) Brooke, what about you? I collected mugs for a really long time. I had somewhere around like 300 mugs at one point. I had no space for them anymore. So I started when I was still working at the maker offices, I started just bringing mugs to the office and I would just leave them there and be like, cool, they live Mm -hmm. there now. And if I want to use them, sick, I work here. And it's fine. And then when we had to move, I started watching a bunch of videos that were like minimalism videos because I was like, I have to get rid of as much stuff as possible. Like a Marie Kondo sort of vibe. Kind of along that vibe. Not even necessarily a does this bring me joy sort of thing, but like, could this be somewhere else and I'd be fine with it? Like, why am I holding on to this thing? Right. It doesn't make any sense to hold on to this thing. So Mm. I went through all of my mugs and I took 12 with me to England and the rest of them I gave to my friends. Nice. Yeah, mugs are such a great thing to have because you'll always use them. You can put soup in them. You can put tea in them, coffee in them. You can use them to put pens in. Multipurpose. You can plant some herbs. Like what out of a mug right now. I used to have hundreds of mugs and now I only have 13 because I bought another one when I moved here. What's your favorite mug? My favorite mug is this weird one that I found at Goodwill when I was in college. 
that has instead of, you know, the one C-shaped opening for the handle, it's like a B-shape. So there's like enough space Mm -hmm. for a finger for each hole, basically. Uh It's very obviously like a weird homemade ceramic mug that was glazed by somebody. Awesome. It's awesome. It's my absolute favorite mug. It's, I don't know what it is about it. There's just something very homey and like the, the colors and how weird it is. Like the shape of it is just a little bit weird. So yeah, that's my favorite mug. Have y'all ever seen those vintage mugs that have the little like mustache catch on the inside? What? Where it's like what? a little. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. I'll, I'll look one up. Um, Because my dad uh, buys antiques and sells them on eBay. Mustache catch? What? I don't even yeah, understand. What so that, that it doesn't is. get in your mustache? Mustache? Just post it in all the discords you're part of. Yeah. So it oh, has the little shit. catch. What? <laughs> Yeah, this is it's totally a thing. You should get one. I've seen mugs like that's what that's for. That's for a mustache. Yeah. Wow. So that you can drink your latte in peace without getting the foam in your stash. Yeah. Seriously. I feel um, like my Yeah, that's a thing that exists. Grandma had like a mug like this. What did you think that it was for? I just thought like it was a, a spoon in there? A weird grandma mug. <laughs> oh wait, and you can also use them for shaving. Oh wow. Oh. I don't know how that works, but like to wipe the blade, yeah? Yeah, yeah, probably. This one isn't different from the others, but I think it just looks cool. I'll, I'll post these on the Instagram so people uh, have. I love a hey, mug that just says, remember me I love on that it. as That's well. That's so ominous. That's like, do you want me to make coffee out of your ashes? What the fuck? There's a really beautiful teacup that I wanted to buy, but I don't, I don't ever use like nice cutlery of any kind, and it kind of makes me nervous to ha- even own it. But there was a really yeah. beautiful teacup that I saw. And once you were done drinking it at the bottom in tiny letters, it says you've been poisoned. And I really wanted it. But I, <laughs> there's, I wouldn't do anything with it. So, the, Like the, the one like nice tea set we got, actually, it was there, there was this Sunday market right by Brick Lane in, in Shoreditch in London. And there's this guy who's in, I can't remember the name of it. It's like this little kind of low ceiling area where there's a bunch of shops. And there's this guy there who specializes in like old tea sets. And we would go there, you know, many, many weekends just to kind of wander around and get some street food and stuff. And Rachel like fell in love with this one particular tea set. And I I forget what the occasion was, if it was Mother's Day or, you know, one birthday or something. But she's like, that, that's the thing I want. And that is the... Uh, and so I went in and got it and we brought it back to the States with us. And luckily none of it got damaged. I was just like, it was the one thing Amazing. I was terrified and it just like survived perfectly. So until Audrey breaks it, it's going to be <laughs> in our lives forever. Yeah. But this guy rule, right. he like, if, if you're ever, I mean, I don't, I'm sure it's not open now, but if you're, <laughs> you know, around that, uh, brick lane Sunday market, the guy who's selling old tea sets in the little low ceiling shops, that guy's the best. I don't know about y'all, and this is probably just because my mom used to restore antiques and like owned a space in an antique shop, and my dad does the same thing, like restoring furniture and all that shit. It's very cool, but like I have a very deeply uh, ingrained in me love for yard sales and thrift stores and uh, flea markets and stuff. Like that's just like candy to me. I love just picking through stuff because it's it's so like 
as a game developer, uh, environmental storytelling of like, oh, why do you have this stuff? Where did you get this? Why are you yeah. getting rid of this specific thing? Right. Like, what are the circumstances here? What's the history of this object that I will never know? What if it's haunted? Which I say <laughs> that like, I don't want that. I want that. I want a haunted <laughs> object. I want the haunted thing. Yeah. I just want to see one ghost in my life, man. I don't believe in them, but I want to be proven wrong. <laughs> that kind of sort of leads into my other collection, which is Bulma figurines, like from Dragon Ball. (laughs) That's a good collection to have. I have tons of them, but the weirdest ones for me are the ones that started off as a completely different character, but then were modded to look like Bulma. Oh, nice. What? There's a character in Dragon Ball named Oolong, right? Who's like this weird pig thing. And one of my Bulmas is somebody took an Oolong figurine and modded it to look like Bulma. And I don't know why they did it. Will you send us a picture of that? I'm very interested in seeing it. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll dig it out after we're done. But it's, yeah, it's very weird. The doll modding community is really interesting to me. There is a phase that I went through where I was watching a ton of like doll modification YouTube channels because uh, they're just like the people are so passionate about it. And then there were some that I was watching where like after they mod the doll, they'll they'll make like a little movie at the end with all yes, their dolls. It's basically wow. an AMV, but for their doll. I love yeah, it. Yeah, there, there's a really amazing. good one where a girl was making like Windigo mods of uh, Monster High dolls. I thought that was so cool. Oh, that's so cute. Maybe that's a hobby I'll get into because like seems just I love any sort of tedious like sort of artsy kind of tasks like it's just feels so good to make something with your hands yeah I totally agree with that my favorite part though of those videos is when they wipe off the factory like makeup oh yeah yeah totally they get the little acetone on there and you just see the blank slate of what this doll looks like yeah Brian do you collect anything weird I'm sort of anti-collection at this point in general, I just have enough stuff in my life. And also sure. moving transatlantic twice. Yeah. You get rid of a lot of stuff. Got rid of a lot of stuff. And moreover, not to make this take a morbid turn, but you know, both when both my parents died within a couple of years, I was just inundated with like stuff. And yeah. it's like, okay, how much stuff can I hang on to? And that was before we even moved to, to England. And it was just like... Yeah. You know, there was just so much stuff and I didn't have, I wasn't living in a house or in an apartment. Like it, it just didn't, didn't have room for it. So at some point I was like, I have too much stuff in my life. I can't deal with like more stuff uh, to collect. Probably the closest thing, and it's not even at the level of a collection is, I have quite a few late 19th, early 20th century math and physics textbooks. <laughs> on brand. Very on brand. And they're like, there used to be this old style of book where it's like, like a kind of dark green cover and some of these problems. So there's a famous exam at Cambridge Trinity College called the Tripos exam, which used to be like, if you were a math badass, you would like crush this thing. (laughs) So so I have an old like classical mechanics book. And so for case you don't know what that means it's like old you know like the kind of physics you learn in high school like blocks going down ramps and stuff like that this is one book from it's like the 1890s and they have a bunch of the exercises being problems from this like notoriously difficult cambridge exam and all the problems are like imagine a series of rods of length l all connected uh you know uh, spaced equiangularly around the center of a circle 
the rods are, you know, balanced on top of a sphere of radius R and attached to a spring, you know, of spring constant K. Calculate, blah, blah, blah. And it's like these torture, like the kind of stuff that would be hell to solve. And right. maybe uh, sometimes with problems like this, there's like some trick, but it's like they put these students, these like late 19th century physics and math students through hell at Trinity. That and, sucks. Yeah. But I love the old, like these old textbooks that have these, these kinds of things. And it's also like the, the way of printing equations was very different back then. Obviously, you know, the typeface, like the, just the printing supplies were different and, uh, it, you know, now it's, it's totally easy there. You can use this thing called tech, which just does all the equations for you. But back then there was a, like a particular way of writing equations, like the font and the symbols used in these books, which I think is really cool. So I just like these old math and physics books because they, they use language and symbols. You know, the basic math hasn't really changed that much, at least for, you know, calculus and things like that. But kind of the way they're writing feels very ornate and archaic. Mm. Some of them, when mm. they're telling you to, to solve something, I, I think this is a, I, I never really looked this up, but I think it's like a, an imperative version of, instead of saying, show that, blah, 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 they'll say, shoe, like S-H-E-W. Hmm. Interesting. And I think that's an old school way, like there's probably some old English imperative tense in which shoe is the imperative of show. That's my guess. I never looked it up. Yeah, Brian, and you're really into linguistic stuff, so that sounds interesting. Yeah, just see, it's, they'll they'll spell connection with an X instead of hmm. uh, you know huh. connection C O N N E X. Yeah, so there's like these old school kind of ways of writing things. I I love them. So when I go into a used bookstore, I'll always go to the math or physics section and see if they have some cool old physics book I can just pick up. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's a great thing to collect. I was going to say more words should have X's in them. X is a cool letter. <laughs> it's used. Yeah. And I, I, I've never been sure if it's just like a printing thing or if it's a, you know, maybe some, you know, British spelling. A lot of these books were British, you know, from the turn of the century or whatever. But it's, yeah, I think it's wild. Hmm. Do we want to answer another question? Sure. I really like this one. This is from... Can't tell if it's Faffle with a silent P or P Faffle. Either way, apologies. Uh, this question is, what alternate universe or fictional setting would you like to live in? What would you do there? Let's see. So there are ones that would like look cool, but be dystopian. So let's not. Yeah, for sure. There's uh, there's tons of them where you're like, that would be cool in theory, but I would 100% die like a few yes. minutes into that. You know? Absolutely. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> totally. Like like Skyrim. I would love to run around right. Skyrim and do magic and hit shit with swords, but uh would not love to be there. <laughs> I mean, for me, like 100% Star Trek. Mm. People are generally doing pretty well. You don't feel like you would die immediately. And there's cool future tech. Obviously, there's a lot of different Star Treks you could pick here. I'm going to talk about this a little later when we talk about what's popping. But, uh, <laughs> you know... Next generation Trek would probably be a pretty rad place to to live. You want to be like in Starfleet as yes. part of a crew that is like focused on like outreach and science and like that sort of thing and less 100%. laser fights. Yes, not not the battle stuff, but yeah, like the science vessel kind of Star Trek is must For be sure. pretty awesome. Yeah, that's a legit answer. Absolutely. I think 
my very basic polls in terms of not getting murdered uh, would be like, you know, a Stardew Valley or an Animal Crossing where it's just like, this is a cute little creature who's smaller than me and we're going to sit and drink a little tropical drink. That Mm -hmm. sounds nice. (laughs) Can I be in some kind of a fantasy setting where I'm just like an herbalist slash witch that's just living in the world? I realize that I could probably live most of this fantasy out now in for reals life (laughs) but it's just like a lot of work if i could just be transported and also have magic that would be great yeah i i really love when i play skyrim i almost always i mean very difficult to not be stealth archer who pickpockets everybody because it's just too much fun but i i role play like i'm a traveling botanist who makes potions but is just constantly making new things and trying them <laughs> on my character so like she's just always kind of fucked up and like is just destroying her body and brain by drinking potions that she just made like i don't know sure fuck it what will this do oh no that hurts oh shit i like it cool i've played that game too many times <laughs> all right so our next segment is called what's poppin this is our pop culture recommendation segment we do it every week and we talk about stuff in pop culture that we're into could be anything books movies music doesn't matter and this is the theme song (laughs) the suspense is killing me what's poppin what's poppin brooke what did you think of the theme song it was incredible right that's what what i've been saying all along yeah it's the best fuck you brian i wrote wrote that myself (laughs) Brian eat shit. <laughs> Worked again. So we have a a recurring argument, Brooke, about whether or not that bit works or doesn't. Some people like you, smart people, roll with it and have a good time. Sure. And other people are just convinced it's a technical error and get confused. Oh, oh no. And either way, I'm happy, to be honest. <laughs> I continue to be mad about it. I hate this shit. I'll quit the podcast. Whenever I eventually quit this podcast, which will happen, I will rage quit. Uh, It's likely going to be over this dispute. It's fine because one day you can just go into The Sims and you can create two (laughs) houses and one house will have the people who got the goof and uh, the other house will have the people who thought it was a technical difficulty and then they can go to war. Right. I'm going to put Brian in the pool and take the ladder away. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. (laughs) Brian is neither, so he doesn't get to exist, but we will watch right. him die. Speaking of which, Brian, yes. I got to get you into Dead by Daylight. Yes, I, I will. I will get it. Some murder. Absolutely. Great. The Discord will love it. I saw you talking about it on the Discord. Uh, how you're trying oh, to yeah, get yeah. me to get it. Uh, I will. I, I, will, I mean, I've heard you talk about it enough that I can tell it's awesome. So I absolutely want to do it. Yeah. Brooke. Yes. What's poppin'? Well, because you mentioned Dead by Daylight, can I just slip into this what's poppin' section? Yeah. There's a game that I guess has been out for a while that is very similar to Dead by Daylight, but you play it on your phone called Identity V. Oh. Have you played this before? No. Um, Is it the one that's like almost exactly Dead by Daylight with like palettes and stuff? It is very, very, very similar. There are tons of characters The attackers are all unique in the same way that they are in Dead by Daylight. But also, if you are a victim or someone who's trying to get away, you also are unique. So there are tons of different characters you can play as um, to try and get away. Like the very first one that you unlock is a nurse. So she heals up Mm. her teammates quicker, that sort of a thing. But yes, in terms of how the game plays, it is identical. 
identical. And apparently the devs of Dead by Daylight helped the devs of Identity be like clean up oh. their game. Yes, I've, I've heard that too. And then Dead by Daylight released on mobile too. Right. Yeah, this looks cool. Uh, Jory was telling, he's the one who introduced me to this and he said that it's actually like really fun. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, I, I love the art direction. It's very Tim Burton. Very Coraline, very Tim Burton. Yeah, it's super cool. Yeah, I love that like the perk icons are exactly the same, like the the character icons. That's really funny. It's identical. It's crazy. But the thing awesome. that I was going to suggest is a game that came out called Signs of the Sojourner. Is this a recent? Okay. Yeah, it came out on the 14th of this month. Oh, wow. Cool. Oh, this looks cute. It's great. It's a deck builder that is all about communicating. So it's non-combat and it's so much deeper and complex than you think it's going to be. You play as somebody <laughs> who's um, your mom used to do tours in a caravan to like meet people in all of these different towns and collect interesting items and bring them back to her hometown and sell them in her shop. And she has passed away, and so you've taken on responsibility for her shop. And so at the start of the game, you have a specific way in which you communicate. You are emotional and logical. And so all of the people that are in your town, your best friend, you are able to communicate with them easily. It's kind of dominoes-ish in that like you're trying to match up like every card has a symbol on one side and a symbol on the other side and you're trying to match up symbols against each other in order to make the conversation flow. Oh. And as you travel to other places, you will meet people who are very direct. And so their communication style is different and you'll meet people who are really like creative and sort of strange and their communication style is different. And every time you talk with someone, it's not that you're constantly building on your deck, it's you're constantly adjusting your deck. So every mm. person that you talk to, you have to take a card from and replace something in your deck. So the reason that this gets really interesting is because say that you're taking lots of cards from people who are really direct in how they talk, it means since the deck represents the way that you communicate, it means that you will now be more direct. And so huh. when you come back home and you try to have a conversation, like a meaningful conversation with your best friend that you left behind in your hometown, you actually don't communicate as well anymore. Wild. That's a really interesting concept. It's I love that. really interesting. It's super cool. A couple of friends have also played the game. I haven't played it all the way through. But a couple of friends have also played the game and experienced completely different things for me, like met different characters and stuff. So there's obviously like huh. a lot of depth to this game. It's really it's a really, really cool idea. So I'm excited to deep dive on it a bit more. That sounds awesome. It looks like it's PC and Mac. Art's super cute. I like that. Yeah. I love when people come on the show and recommend like indie games that I have not heard of. Yeah. I'm always <laughs> excited to uh, see that. Oh, did you play it on stream? Like one of the first things that comes up in Google Images is your little Really? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I played it on stream. Precious, which also is super cute. Oh. So Dodger, I have seen stuff about your coffee company and I'm really curious what the like inception of that was because I love the whole perspective of like, oh, it's like American diner coffee. Oh, thank you. Yeah. That's thing I'm very passionate about. <laughs> so um a friend of mine became CFO at a coffee company based in Florida, 
and they had like part of their store was online, but pretty much everything that was successful was brick and mortar. And they were discussing like, well, is there a way for us to improve online sales? And basically David, my friend, said, well, you could try partnering with somebody whose entire thing is online, right? Like their whole, yeah. mm-hmm. their whole persona, their everything is online. And they said, oh, that's an interesting idea because David had worked with um, like content creators in the past. And so at the time I was still doing a daily vlog and had been doing it for years called Coffee Time, mm. where I just sat in front of a camera and drank coffee and talked about whatever. And so David came to me and said, hey, would you be interested in partnering with this company in Florida to do your own coffee line? And they'll handle distribution and we'll come up with a roast for you and, you know, whatever specifications you want, we'll we'll try to meet them and make sure everybody's happy. And and I said, sure, that sounds incredible. And he said, cool. So what's your (laughs) what's your pitch for a coffee? Like, what kind of coffee do you like? And I said, honestly, the most nostalgic, like I love coffee just in general, but the most nostalgic coffee for me is just sitting in like a shitty diner at 3 a.m. And the coffee is burnt to shit and you're all just having like a nice chill time. I love that. It's like, why is that the best coffee in the world? Right? I, the thing that I keep craving throughout quarantine is like, oh, I want to go to my favorite diner and I want the waitress to call me sweetie and I want a big greasy <laughs> pile of waffles and bacon and Seriously, the bad coffee. I just want two orders of hash browns on like a really weird plate that looks totally different from the plate on the table next to me. Yeah. yeah. yeah for me, it's New Jersey bagel shop coffee. You know, right. it's in the, the giant square thing with the little yes. pull down spigot. Oh, and it just, it sucks. But if you put enough sugar in it, it's great. Yeah. And like the really fat, thick diner mugs is the best style of mug. That's the kind of coffee mugs we have. Yeah. Exactly. Oh my God. It's true. Yeah. So I basically said, hey, can you make like a really good version of burnt diner coffee? Because that's what I want. (laughs) And there was like a pause on the phone and he goes, "Uh, I'll talk with them about it. And it wasn't too long after that that he called me up and said, hey, they think that they might have nailed it. We'd love to fly you out and have you try a couple of different attempts at this idea. And if you're Aww. happy with it, then then we'll start like developing the brand and you can have a coffee company that's like it's so great part of this. Yeah. And what's cool is that now we've been up and running for a while now and David has been able to leave the company and took the Dodger Coffee brand with him. So like we own it, just the two of us now. Wow. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's been able to grow and we've been able to add stuff in. We have like teas and things now and it's super cool. Those teas sound so good. The the waffle mix just really look, I was looking at that this morning. Yeah. It's just like, oh, just like those thin like Waffle House style waffles. Ooh, baby. That's the stuff. Yeah. When all of the quarantine and lockdown stuff started happening, David was the one who noticed lots of different people who were saying like, my income entirely depends on either events or like gatherings of people in person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I don't mean to sound like I'm pitching my store. No, but- no, no. <laughs> we, we literally asked you about yeah, it. Totally. That's true. Thank you guys. And I think the thing that you're doing with that is really cool. So go ahead. Thank you. We decided to do the Dodger Coffee Market and um, try and help out people who have their own small businesses, but are really struggling with it that we think sort of 
integrate well into the coffee store. So yeah, this guy makes waffles and has like so much of it go to charity. And we have this girl who does the little cookie shot things. Mm -hmm. Those look so good. They're so good. For her, like literally everything was event-based. Like people would hire her for events. And she was like, I don't know what to do. Like I've had to fire everybody. So it's really cool that we're able to, since we have an infrastructure that can still run, it's awesome that we were able to like help some people out. And I hope that we can continue to help other people out. That's so great. It's amazing. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Brian. Yes. What's popping? So as I hinted at before, it's a Star Trek thing. And it is, I, I didn't start watching until very recently, Star Trek Discovery. Yes. Yeah, have you watched it? Yes, sorry. Star Trek Discovery is so, some people hate it and some people love it. And I'm definitely on the side of loving it. So continue. Have you seen like all of it? You're you're through the end of season two? No, I've seen season one and the first couple of episodes of season two. And then my mother-in-law asked me to stop because she loves Star Trek and hadn't watched it yet. And she was like, I'm going to watch it. And then the two of us can watch season two together. And then lockdown happened and now I'm in hell. So yeah. (laughs) So I just finished season two literally yesterday. And I think it's great. Like, you know, it's got some pretty big plot holes in it. But honestly, (laughs) whatever. I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm a pretty soft touch with that stuff. So I don't really care. But I love Sonequa Martin-Green. I think she's Absolutely wonderful. Yeah. As the main character, Michael Burnham. Also, to me, it has an all-time great Star Trek alien, which is Saru, played by Doug Jones. Yes, Saru is so good. Oh, shit. Fucking rules. It has a great kind of arc in season two, uh, at least early on in the season. I've really been enjoying it. You know, a lot of it is like kind of old school sort of vibes you have to get over the thing too where it's you know it takes place before the original series but all the tech is like so much better so you kind of have to not worry about that uh but the show looks great i think the acting is is awesome uh cinequa martin green in particular and and doug jones but they have uh in season two they get captain pike you know the captain of the enterprise before kirk who's i think the guy's name is anson mount he rules anthony rapp is great He's the kind of engineering guy. Also, Tig Notaro shows up in season two, and she's a great comic, but also just like crushes this part. It's so fun and funny and appealing. I think I got to the episode that she shows up in, and I was like, oh, amazing. Yeah, I know. And I didn't even know. I've been like trying not to, you know, really read anything about it. And so they, she shows up, and I was like, oh, my God, it's Tig Notaro. And she really, I don't think I'd ever seen her act in anything before, but she's, it's like, it, it, she kind of is just playing herself, it seems, but I say that as a compliment because it comes across as very natural and sarcastic and funny. I thought that was a great character. It's got a bunch of LGBTQ stories in it. It feels like they're being diverse in a good, non-calculated way. Probably some idiots were mad because it's not just a bunch of white dudes doing stuff, but like, who cares? <laughs> yeah. It seems to me they're making effort to be diverse in the characters and it really is complimenting. They're making good stories from that. So I really, really like yeah. season one was a little bit hit and miss, but I think season two has just been uniformly pretty great. So I've really, really been enjoying it and I'm kind of bummed. I slept on it for a while cause I didn't get the CBS all access thing until the Picard show came out. But right. Did either of you watch Picard? I watched the no. first two episodes 
while I was still in Oregon getting my visa sorted. Mm-hmm. And since coming here, I haven't watched anymore because I'm honestly not really sure how to watch it here. Yeah, yeah. But mm-hmm. there isn't like a huge fire under my butt to do it because um, Sam isn't like a huge Star Trek person. Mm-hmm. So I don't have I don't have a partner in the house who's like, yo, we got to watch Picard. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. And honestly, it's not that great. I hate to say it. No. I was so excited. It's I mean, Patrick Stewart is great. And then of you course. get, you know, like a bunch of the TNG people showing up, but it's, it starts out really promising and then just kind of, I don't know, I wasn't super into it by the end and they have all these amazing people working on it and it just like never really clicked for me, but it, I mean, it's awesome just to see Patrick Stewart as Jean-Luc Picard again. That part's great. There's a particularly great episode where he kind of goes and hangs out with Riker and Troy in this like cabin that they hang out in. It's the best episode of the series because it's exactly <laughs> what you want. It's basically uh, Riker, Picard, and Troy just like hanging out. And, you know, the the chemistry is like immediate. They're really affectionate with each other in a sweet way. It's It's so great. And then everything else is kind of like fine, Man. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that sucks, man. It is a bummer. I was so excited for it too. And it's not bad, bad, you know, it's not like terrible, but it's just, I don't know. Just kind of lukewarm on it. Yeah. But Star Trek Discovery, especially season two, I really, really enjoyed it. And that's my choice. Heck yeah. Now, Layton, what's poppin'? Did you say what's poppin'? Yes, I did. Cause I blew it last week. So I'm making up for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, the, what's popping for me is, um, a new mystery skulls album came out and I really like mystery skulls. Um, it is, I have not finished listening to it yet and I think it's not his best, but it's still really good. And I like seeing him try like some new, like more ac- acoustic stuff. At least like one of the songs is like that thus far. Um, cause it's very like upbeat, dancey, like a little bit electronic stuff, but it's, it's just in general, really good vibes. And, um, Listeners, if you haven't listened to Mystery Skulls before, uh, Forever is like an amazing album, like one of my favorites. Um, I really like his stuff. Uh, And I guess it's interesting to me because I feel like his popularity really took off with um, the music video for, fuck, I think it's Ghost. Yeah, yeah, it's Ghost because it's like a Scooby-Doo sort of uh, animated music video that like Tumblr got really into. And I think <laughs> like he has a lot of his success to that. And like there have been a bunch of follow up animated music videos in that vein. But yeah, check him out. He's really good. And I think he follows me on Twitter. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. awesome. Just like, dude, be my friend. You're awesome. Let's have him on the show. Layton, would you care to introduce the next and final segment? Sure. So our final segment is Peaches and Lemons. which is a thing stolen from my family where we share three peaches, which are things that we're excited about or grateful for, or just like nice things that happened. We were doing lemons for a while, which is just sort of a thing that was a bummer because it's good to acknowledge like, okay, yeah, there's a bummer thing, but also there's lots of good stuff. Uh, And for the time being, we are just like not doing lemons because there are too many of them. (laughs) So we're just trying to keep it positive. (laughs) Too many lemons. Yeah. So uh, we will share peaches. Brooke. Would love to hear your three peaches. So one of the things that's really awesome about having a kid around is that they will browbeat you into doing things. Yes. Oh, I've noticed. Yeah. <laughs> this is kind of just a general like, hey, 
shout out to Clarky for like when we when she sits down to eat breakfast, she looks me square in the eyes and goes, where's mommy's porridge? I don't know. <laughs> Fuck, I guess I'll make myself porridge. Right. Yep. But specifically, the thing I realized the other day is that for the last, I don't know, month and a half, I've been drawing every single day. Oh, that's so what? great. I was drawing constantly while I grew up and I loved it. And then I just stopped at a certain point during like high school. And I occasionally will draw again, but never consistently. But Clark wants to draw all the time. And she doesn't want to draw by herself. She wants you to also draw with her. And she makes requests. And she wants you to draw animals. And the animal has to wear a hat. And what color is the animal? And, you know. Yep. Oh, yeah. Drawing with kids is so much fun. It's so fun. It's so fun because I get to sit there and be like, okay, we're drawing a spider. Um, What color should the spider be? Should the spider wear a hat? What kind of hat should the spider wear? And I love that she's gotten to the point now where she can answer those questions, but also realizing like, oh, wow, I've been drawing with my kid every day for like over a month now. So great. That's super cool. And it's realizing that I've been inspired to like in my off time, just like just draw whatever I want. (laughs) So that's been super cool. There's a fun thing I used to do with my dad where you like fold a piece of paper in half and then sort of make it so there's like a little strip in the middle where like one person draws the top half and pulls the lines down onto that little strip Mm. and then folds it back over so the other person can only see what the lines were left and then they finish it. Oh, that's cool. I love that. Yeah, you get like a really weird abstract drawing at the end. Like doing that with kids is awesome just because like they're so creative with that stuff. That's a great idea. We'll definitely do that with Audrey. She would love that. That's super cool. I like that. Do it. It's it's they come out so cool. And like, that's just a thing that you get to have, like a thing that you made together. Yeah. Oh, peach number two for me is I have learned just a really easy base for a teriyaki sauce to make at home. Oh, oh my God. It's one part soy sauce, mm-hmm. one part maple syrup, one part balsamic vinegar. That's it. Maple syrup. And that's it. Wow. And then from there. You can add like a bunch of minced garlic or ginger or sriracha or like whatever sounds nice. But just those three things, the equal parts of those three things together is a very easy teriyaki sauce to make at home to mix into like a stir fry or something. I love it. Wonderful. And my third thing, my third peach that might seem a little weird, but I'm sticking with it is that the moths in England are really interesting. I love moths. I don't know why. They're awesome. Yeah, I just think that they're really, really cool. I love the coloring on them typically, but most of the moths that I've seen my entire life up until now are different shades of like yellows and browns and whatever. Mm. Yeah. And since moving here, moths keep getting into the house that are those tones, but also occasionally like red and orange. What? Like just little, just like little splatterings of of like a bright color in that same in that same kind of like through line of the color spectrum like it doesn't seem odd but it is definitely different Mm -hmm. and I love when they get in the house because I'm like yo dude you look rad as hell you can stay here as long as you want I assume you want to leave because there are cats in this house and they are desperate to mess with you it's like I have a light for you right here would you like a little cup of butter I love those places you go where they have a ton of butterflies and they just give you a little cup of butter and then they come and get it. Or that nectar or whatever. I'm confusing this with where you go and they have a bunch of birds and that's when you get the cup of butter and then they all land on you. 
The lorikeet exhibits? Yeah. yeah. I love lorikeets. Oh, come land on me. Put your little claws on me. Oh, the, uh, <laughs> I, I went into one, I think it was at the, the Living Desert in Palm Springs, and I had a bunch of birds just picking at my beard. Like they landed on my shoulders and started eating my beard. They love that. And it was, it was pretty <laughs> fucking great. I'm not going to lie. Like it was a little weird. Tried to not get them too close to my mouth, but just have them like have these tiny little birds peck at your cheeks. It's a pretty awesome experience. Yeah. Birds are cool. Moths are cool. They're just goth butterflies. <laughs> they are. Those are all wonderful peaches. Thank you. Layden. Peach number one is that like I just started streaming as like a lark. Um, I had never really like watched Twitch or anything because it confuses and frightens me. Um, but I was just like, yeah, I have a good recording setup. I figured out how to cast my iPad so I can draw. And like I started doing that and then I started streaming Dead by Daylight and like I, I reached like Twitch affiliate within, you know, a week. Uh, awesome. Pe- the chat has been like so nice um, and like a surprising number of people. So I'm just going to keep doing that because it's fun and nice. That's so great. Yeah. Uh, I understand why people watch streams now. Like it's it's just really cool and it's been fun to pop into other people's streams or stream with friends. So that's peach number one. Peach number two is last night uh, after playing like five hours of Dead by Daylight on stream, I hopped into some more like casual survive with friends with uh, Aaron and Meowch and so we had a full squad and we were just getting annihilated and I had been playing for like seven hours by that point. So I was like, oh, one of you stream it on Steam and I'll just watch. And there was this one guy, uh, this is going to be a mildly long story, but I was just losing my mind laughing last night. Um, <laughs> they did this one match where the three of them got out and the rando died and then chat afterwards, he was so fucking mad and he was like, some team you are, you left me to die. Like, you guys are so <laughs> selfish. And they were like, what can we do to make it up to you? And he said, pizza. And then it turned into <laughs> all of them just like, I don't think he knew that they were survived with friends. And they're like, you a pep boy? Are you a pepster? You like pineapple? Pepster or piner? <laughs> and like, they just kept going and they were like, no, we're serious. We will send you a pizza. Um, and he's like, no, 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 don't, don't do it. Let's do it. Let's just survive together. And like, it was just so funny watching them interact. It came out that he's like very religious. Wow. <laughs> uh, and they, they just kept being like, listen, man, are you a pepster? <laughs> it was just like, I was almost crying laughing. Um, yeah, we almost got him in the Discord call. And then we were like, maybe, maybe we should not have this rando. But uh, it was very funny. Um, just like really Aww. made my night. I was sitting there just eating my chips watching them play <laughs> um but yeah i mean that's the great thing about t- watching dead by daylight it just turns into like a custom horror movie <laughs> right yeah you get very emotionally invested in yeah uh, my third peach is been eating a lot of pizza lately you know frozen pizza anytime i get like a domino's pizza i'll freeze one of them yes i love pizza <laughs> and i don't <laughs> I don't get awful acid reflux anymore because it used to be I had to stop eating it and like eating raviolis and any sort of marinara because it would just give me the fucking worst heartburn and acid reflux even if I took Pepsid and Tums and stuff and it's not doing it anymore. And I'm just so stoked that I get to eat pizza again. Um, So that's my third peach. Uh, Brian, what are your peaches? Uh, Well, number one is I made a big life decision today where uh, my family, including myself, gave me a buzz cut. And I basically shaved off all of my hair. And now I have... Yeah, you got rid of the David Lynch poof. I got rid of... I Like this morning, like last night, I was really hot when I was sleeping and the hair was... You know, it's been a few months, obviously, since a haircut. 
and it was just getting like greasy and hot and oily. And I was like, fuck this. I'm done with this. And I'd been kind of toying with the idea for a few weeks anyway. And Audrey has been really lobbying for me to cut off my hair only because (laughs) she wanted to hold a razor. And so Rachel and I did the bulk of it. And it's a terrifying thing to give a five-year-old an electric razor and just be like, go for it, honey. (sighs) I'm sure. But I let her do it for a little, I mean, just like a a little bit. She did okay. But yeah, I've never had hair this short at, at literally ever in my life. Wow. Yeah. You look like a drill sergeant. Thank you. I'll take that or as that a compliment. photo that you posted with the sunglasses on. Yep. Yeah, it's a good look. It's Rachel keeps looking at me and just kind of muttering to herself, I'll get used to it. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like the nice thing about a buzz cut is like when you touch it, it just feels great. It feels awesome. That is true. I've been doing it like while we've been recording it. I just keep touching it because it's such a weird feeling. Yeah. When I had my side cut, I would just like constantly like pet my head. Oh, it's the best. My hair is very thin. Mm. And so when I've thought about doing a side cut or like doing a buzz on the back of my head somewhere, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that would be so cool. But do I want to give up when I don't even have that much hair to begin with? Do I want to give that up? I don't know. Part of the reason I I hesitated rather than doing it a few weeks ago was I was like, look, I'm, I'm 45 and I have a full head of hair. I shouldn't squander this. Like, I mean, I, what if it doesn't grow well, back? Kind of, you know, I know it's illogical, but definitely I was like, what if this is it? What if I cut it off and it's just gone? Because, you know, I'd say most of my male friends my age are bald or balding. And like, I recognize that I'm very lucky to have, you know, to to just not be balding at all. Okay, lucky. Not to, this is not a value judgment, everybody, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but I'm glad that, you know, I like the way I look with hair. I don't know how I would look bald. Maybe it'd be great. I don't fucking know. Um, but at any rate, it's like, it seemed like a thing I didn't want to squander. So I was a little reluctant to do it. And then when I woke up this morning, I was like, fuck it, let's go. And just did it. So that's that's number one. Nice. Number two, I feel like I've been talking about this every week, but uh, we had a new animated video from the kids album that I made that came out on Friday. And Yay, fuck yeah. Nice. yeah, it's a really fun, it's a short little song. And I really, really like it. Uh, it's Super Cow, and it is the name of the song. And I have a mooing contest with a cow. So it was one of those songs that I wrote it with Jim Roach. And then we were like, what are we going to do in these middle sections? It's not the verse. And I just got in front of a mic and improvised a bunch of stuff. And it ended up being something really fun and funny. So I'm very excited Hell about yeah. the video and the album. And Audrey loves it. So that's, yeah, that's that. Congratulations. Nice. Thank you. So actually, my... Third Peach is, is something that, uh, that Leighton, that you mentioned, which is pizza, and we've been making it ourselves. So Ooh. Oh. I happened upon a five-pound bag of mozzarella cheese a few weeks ago, like shredded mozzarella, and it was just like, well, I guess we're making pizza until we use this up, and <laughs> that's exactly what we did. Like three weeks later, we finally used the last of it, and it's been great. Like making pizza is so much fun with kids. They can help you know roll out the dough yeah. and put the sauce and toppings on it. And, you know, put it in the oven and there's this sense of like pride. I think we're getting better at it too. Like the first pizza was a little, little iffy and, uh, it's just been a fun, a fun thing we can do as a family. And so we've been making pizza and then watching Disney plus stuff together on Friday nights for the last few weeks. Yeah. I like it. That's very cute. What's the best pizza that you've made so far? Uh, it was Rachel's. And it was, uh, she used a pesto sauce instead of uh, marinara Ooh. and put uh, sauteed mushrooms and red onions 
on it. And oh, that sounds great. Oh, Red onion on a pizza is so amazing. underrated. It's the best. Also, like getting a little bit of roasted garlic. I think on the was it the last episode we were talking about how good anchovies are. Yeah. Well, in fact, so last week yeah. I did dump like huge amounts of garlic. I did like a pizza with black olives and onions, and the best. Just dumped a huge like giant blobs of garlic all over it, and then Audrey and I split a tin of anchovies with our pizza because she loves anchovies. Oh, amazing! And it was pretty great. Oh, my, my like saliva glands just did the thing where they just like I was just going to say that. I love olives and I especially love olives on pizza. Like my dream pizza is just, so like, cut up green and black olives, like extra cheese. Let's go. Have you ever had a cream cheese and olive sandwich? That's like a, been a thing in my family where you just like no. cut up black olives and green olives, put it in cream cheese, put a little bit of lemon juice in there. No, but I mean, that's basically like most of a lox bagel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. (laughs) So I'm sure it's good. I've had olives spread on a bagel, like cream cheese with olives in it spread on a bagel. And that's essentially the same thing, right? It's such a perfect combination. Just like that umami, salty, the best. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Well, hey, there we go. We did peaches. Yeah, we did. Well, Brooke, thank you so much for joining us today. This was a really delightful way to spend a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, this was awesome. Oh, thank you guys so much for having me on. It was very fun and very chill. Is there anywhere people can find you, anything you want to plug, uh, stuff you're excited about to share? Well, we talked about the coffee company before. That's dodgercoffeeco.com if you guys are interested in that. And I stream almost every day. I'm Dex Bonus on pretty much everything. And that's D-E-X Bonus. Yeah, D-E-X-B-O-N-U-S. So if you want to come and hang out, uh, we've got a lovely, chill, positive community on Twitch. So we would love to have you. Well, cool. Everybody who's listening, um, I hope you're doing well. I hope you're staying safe and taking care of your mental health because it's rough right now. Be patient and gentle with yourself today. I hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast and you'll hear from us soon. And I'm going to take the opposite tack. Everybody who's listening... Give us your money by signing up for the Patreon. If you don't, (laughs) I will be disappointed in you. Like, I will personally be disappointed. So we can do more cool stuff because that's what that goes to. And so we can do more interesting things with, uh, you know, content, putting stuff out there. Uh, There's a really great, uh, for the $15 tier, there's a really great video of Brian making a song about Mayo. It's a little screen record. It's just really delightful. And I want to do more of that stuff. So yeah, do that. But also, if you need to spend money on things that are more important, do that instead. I mean... Yeah, take care of yourself first. Maybe. Like, <laughs> you know... Also, if you want to if you wanna catch me streaming Art or Dead by Daylight or just hanging out, I'll, I'll probably start streaming some Sims 4 too. Just like try <gasps> some challenges. Oh, wow. um, that's yeah. twi- twitch.tv slash graylish, G-R-A-Y-L-I-S-H. Cool. All right. Thanks, everybody. This is the end of the podcast. Bye. Goodbye. Leighton Night is produced by Brian Wecht, Leighton Gray, and Jarek Centeno. Follow us on Twitter at Leighton Night, on Instagram at Leighton underscore Night, or email us at LeightonNight at gmail.com. <laughs>